Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple in A Murder is Announced, where the villagers of Chipping Cleghorn are summoned by a newspaper notice to the house of Letitia Blacklock, anticipating a murder game, but things become too real when someone is shot dead. This will be a five-part series. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. A murder had been announced in the Chipping Cleghorn Gazette to take place at Little Paddocks at 6.30pm, and precisely at that hour a man had broken into the drawing room where all the neighbours had assembled thinking it was some kind of game, had fired off two shots, and then apparently turned his gun on himself. There seemed little doubt that his intended victim had been the owner of the house, Miss Blacklock, who was heiress to a considerable fortune. But would a second attempt be made on her life? We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's A Murder is Announced. I had discovered that Diana Harmon, known to everyone as Bunch, the daughter of some very old friends of mine, was married to the vicar of Chipping Cleghorn, and it was with very little difficulty that I arranged for myself to be invited to stay with her for a few days and to pay a visit with her to Miss Blacklock at Little Paddock's. What I hate most about it is having to lock the front door every time one goes out. I never worried about it in the past. After all, we haven't got very much to burgle. But the hold-up must have been very frightening. Bunch has been telling me all about it. Not that I knew very much. I had my eyes tight shut all the time. Oh, it was absolutely terrifying, Miss Marble. And Letty had such a lucky escape. It really seems like Providence that the thief should have tripped up and shot himself. Burglars are so violent nowadays, aren't they? Uh, how did he get in? The police seem to think that he slipped in through the side door while I was out shutting up the duck. Oh, Letty, I forgot to tell you that when he was last here, the inspector insisted on opening the door over there, the one we never use. He said it had been oiled quite recently, and it must yes, have Yes, I know, Dora. He told me about it, too, but I don't think he wants it talked about. Oh, I'm so sorry, Lottie. I mean, oh, oh, how, how stupid I am. And I'm so sorry, Mrs. Harmon. I'm sure you understand. Oh, we won't breathe a word, will we, Aunt Jane? Oh, I'm so sorry, Lottie. I'm always saying the wrong thing. I'm nothing but a trial to you. <laughs> you are a great comfort to me, Dora. And in a place like Chipping Cleghorn, there really aren't any secrets that can be kept for very long. That is true. I'm afraid you know that things do get around in the most extraordinary way. Servants, of course. But it can't be only that, because there are so few servants about nowadays. Still, there are the daily women, and perhaps they are worse, because they go to everybody in turn and pass the news along. Ah, of course, I see. See it now. If that door could be open, then someone could have gone out of here when the lights were switched off and come in by the other door and done the hold-up. But that can't be right, because it was the man from the Royal Spa Hotel that did it. Well, did it all happen in this room, then? 
I'm afraid you must think me very inquisitive, Miss Blacklock, but it really is so exciting. Are we too late for tea? Oh, sorry, Aunt Letty. Didn't realise you had guests. Oh, Miss Marple, these are my cousins, Patrick and Julia Simmons. How do you do, Miss Marple? How do you do? Good afternoon, Mrs Harmon. Hello. How do you do? Hello, Patrick. Hello, Julia. We were just telling Miss Marple all about the hold-up. Uh, oh, not again. It's really such a bore. Nonsense. We can give Miss Marple a reenactment of the whole scene. I'll go out and be the hold-up man. Oh, very well. It all started just as the clock chimed half past six. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. And then all of a sudden the lights went out. It was so very frightening. Stick him up. Stick him up, I tell you. And he was flashing a torch straight at us. I shut my eyes tight. And then he fired the gun. Bang, bang. One of the shots just missed Letty. It grazed her ear. And then he fired again. Bang. And he fell down on the floor. And Mitzi was locked in the dining room, screaming her head off. Ah! <laughs> yes, thank you very much, Julia. We can do without that. <laughs> if you care to come over here, Miss Marple, I'll show you the bullet holes. Letty had such a narrow escape. Is this where you were standing, Miss Blacklock? Yes, I was just going to offer the guests a cigarette. People are so careless when they're smoking. Look at the burn marks somebody made on this table. Sometimes I'm afraid we get too concerned for our possessions. But it's such a lovely table, Letty. It certainly is very attractive. And what a pretty lamp. A Dresden shepherd, isn't it? It's one of a pair. It used to be a shepherdess down here. I wonder where it's gone. Oh. You care for my things much more than I do, Dora. Even though you do muddle them up sometimes. Well, I can't help it. I like nice furniture and ornaments. I must confess that my own few possessions are very dear to me, too. They bring back so many memories, you know. It's the same with photographs. People nowadays have so very few photographs about. I like to keep all the pictures of my nephews and nieces as babies and their children and so on. You've got a horrible one of me aged three, Aunt Jane, <laughs> holding a fox terrier and squinting. And I'm sure there are many pictures here of you, Mr Simmons. Oh, Julia and I are only very distant cousins. Well, I believe that Eleanor did send me one of you when you were a baby, Patrick. But I'm afraid I didn't keep it. You'd have really forgotten how many children she had, or what their names were, until she wrote to me a couple of months ago to tell me you were over here. Another sign of the times. Nowadays, one so often does not know one's young relatives at all. In the old days, we used to have such wonderful family reunions. Mm, yes, I last saw Patrick and Julia's mother at a wedding. It was nearly 30 years ago. Oh, she was such a pretty girl. That's why she has such handsome children. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you don't look at all alike. You've got a marvellous old photograph album, Aunt Letty. We were looking through it the other day. <laughs> That's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we all thought we looked very smart. <laughs> and now we can hardly recognise ourselves. Did you do that on purpose, Aunt Jane? Talk about the photographs, I mean. Well, yes, I did, as a matter of fact. And it is interesting that Miss Blacklock did not know either of her young cousins by sight. I suppose it is rather curious. Tell me, does she always wear that pearl choker? I certainly can't remember her without it. Why do you ask? Oh, it's of no consequence. It's such a contrast to the rest of her appearance. Can those pearls be real, do you think? I can't imagine someone like Miss Blacklock wearing them if they aren't. But I do see what you mean. If they're real, they must be worth a small fortune. 
There were very few places of real interest in Chipping Cleghorn. There was a church with a window that might have been by Burne Jones, and what was supposed to be part of a Saxon coffin lid. There was a half-timbered inn called the Red Cow, a haberdasher's, an ironmonger's, and an antique shop, situated conveniently next door to the Bluebird Tea Rooms, so that rich motorists, stopping off for a cup of tea and what were euphemistically described as homemade cakes of a bright saffron colour, might be tempted by the items carefully displayed in the window. I was looking at a mug with a present from Tunbridge Wells on it, when I happened to notice Dora Bunner going into the tea rooms and decided it was time for a nice cup of morning coffee. Do try one of the cakes, Miss Marple. They really are quite good. Oh, thank you. And the coffee really is such a comfort, particularly on a morning like this. Tell me, who was that pretty girl I noticed when Bunch and I were walking back from taking tea with you yesterday? She does the gardening, I believe, and has a name like... Hines? Oh, that's our lodger, Mrs. Hames. Such a nice, quiet girl. A lady, if you understand me. I used to know a Colonel Hames in the Irish cavalry. Could he have been her father, do you know? She's Mrs. Hames. Her husband was killed in the war. In Sicily, I believe. Of course, he might have been his father. Yes. I was so interested to hear that you had been at school with Miss Blacklock. There is something particularly pleasing about friendships that go on for a long time. Oh, I do so agree, Miss Marple. And there are very few people who would be so loyal to their friends as dear Miss Blacklock. Those days do seem such a long time ago now. Such a pretty girl she was then, and enjoyed life so much. It seems so sad. Yes, life can be very hard. And sad affliction bravely borne. I always think of that verse. Such courage and patience ought to be rewarded. That is what I say. I feel that nothing can be too good for Miss Blacklock. And whatever good things do come to her, she does so deserve them. Money can do a lot to ease one's path through life. Money? I don't believe that unless one has really experienced lack of it, one can know what it is like to be hungry and living off a slice or two of bread and a scrape of margarine and a jar of meat paste and just longing for a plate of meat and two vegetables and always the rent to be paid or you'll be out on the street. One's old age pension doesn't go far these days. Indeed, it does not. I just happened to see Letty's name in the paper. A charity lunch in aid of some hospital, I think it was. And I thought, perhaps she'll remember me. She's someone I could ask for a little help. Someone who'll know that I'm not just a writer of begging letters. And Lottie just came and took me away. Said she needed help to run the house. Of course, I was very surprised. But the newspapers sometimes do get things wrong. How kind she was, and remembering all the old days so well. I'd do anything for her. And what's so nice about her is that she always pretends how useful I am to her. That's real kindness, isn't it? Yes, that is real kindness. I'm not really as stupid as I look.
I can see when Letty's being imposed upon and can see she's too trusting. That can be a mistake. Oh, that Patrick. Twice to my knowledge, he's got money out of her. And all she says is, the boy's young, Dora. Youth is the time to have your fling. I suppose that is true, in a way. You won't breathe a word, will you, Miss Marple? But I, I can't help feeling that he was mixed up in this dreadful business. I think he knew that young man, or Julia did. One of them put him up to it. And there's another thing that worries me. That detective saying the door had been oiled. Because, you see, I saw... Um, most difficult for you. Naturally, you don't want anything to get round to the police. That's just it. I lie awake at night worrying about it. You see, I came across Patrick in the shrubbery the other day when I was looking for eggs, and he had a cup in his hand, an oily cup. And when he saw me, he looked quite guilty and said, I was wondering what this was doing here. Of course I didn't say anything. No, of course not. And if you ask me, Patrick had been tampering with that lamp in the drawing room because I remember it was definitely the shepherdess, not the shepherd. And the next day... Coffee and gossip, Dora. Good morning, Miss Marvel. Oh, good morning. Oh, it is cold, isn't it? Hello. Am I too late for coffee? Oh, no, please sit down, Bunch. Uh, will you join us, Miss Blacklock? Well, thank you, but we must be getting home. Have you finished your shopping, Dora? Yes, thank you, Letty. Goodbye, Miss Marple. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mrs Harmon. Goodbye. Goodbye. I must just pop into the chemist for a bottle of aspirin and some corn plasters. <laughs> What were you talking about? Family solidarity is a very strange thing, Bunch. Do you remember a case where a husband was accused of poisoning his wife? At the trial, his daughter said that she'd drunk half her mother's glass, and that knocked the case against her father to pieces. They say the daughter never spoke to the father again. Of course, a father is one thing, and a distant cousin or a nephew or whatever it is is different, but there it is. No one wants to see a member of their family hanged, do they? Are you suggesting that these Pip and Emma people might be Patrick and Julia? Of course, when you come to think about it, they're the only people it could be. They're the only ones who are the right age. Yes, but it isn't as simple as that. We are not necessarily thinking about a brother and sister. Pip could have a wife, or Emma a husband. And then there's Pip and Emma's mother, Sonia. If Miss Blacklock hasn't seen her since she was a girl, she probably wouldn't recognise her now. She could be living in the village. I only hope that Mrs Girdler may be able to throw some light on the matter. Inspector Craddock should be with her by now. If you're wondering why my husband wanted all his money to go to Blackie after my death... Blackie? Miss Blacklock. Ah. Anyway, it wasn't for the reason that I'm sure you're thinking. <laughs> Randall was never in the least in love with her, nor she with him. I don't think she was ever in love. She wasn't very pretty, and she didn't care for clothes. I think he looked on her more as a younger brother. <laughs> and she kept him out of trouble more than once, you know. She told me she came to his rescue once with money. She did more than that. She kept him straight. She was a very good person. And you can't use that word about many people. No. Her sister was an invalid. She had a deformity of some sort, and she never saw people or went out. When their father died, she gave up everything to look after her sister. 
Randall was furious with her, but it made no difference. If her mind was set on doing something, nothing would move her. How long was that before your husband died? A couple of years, I think. Randall made his will before she left the firm, and he didn't alter it. He said to me, we've no one of our own. After you and I are gone, Blackie had better have the money. She'll play the markets and make them sit up. She enjoyed the money-making game, then? Oh, yes. It wasn't just the money, though. It was the adventure, the risk, the excitement of it all. Can, can you tell me a little about your husband's sister? I gather that he quarrelled with her over her marriage to Mr. Samfordis. Randall said he was a crook. But Sonia was madly in love with him. She was 24, very beautiful, and knew exactly what she was doing. And do you ever hear anything from her? Oh, the last time I heard from her was over 25 years ago. Uh -huh. She was in Budapest. She asked me to tell Randall she was very happy and had just had twins. And did she tell you their names? She said that as they'd been born just after midday, she intended to call them Pip and Emma. That may just have been a joke, of course. <laughs> and you didn't hear from her again? No. I never heard any more. Nevertheless, Mr. Girdler left his estate to Sonia's children in the event of Miss Blacklock predeceasing you. Oh, that was my doing. Hmm? I said to him, I know Blackie is as strong as a horse and I'm a delicate creature. But there's such a thing as accidents, you know. And there's such a thing as creaking gates. And he said, but there's no one, absolutely no one. And I said, there's Sonia. And he said at once, I'm not letting that Stamfordis fellow have my money. So I said, well, her children then. And so he grumbled, but put it in. And from that day to this, you've heard nothing of your sister-in-law or her children? Nothing. They went right out of our lives. They may be dead. He may be anywhere. And if Miss Blacklock dies before you do, they will inherit your husband's fortune? Don't let them hurt Blackie. You mustn't let any harm come to her. You're tired, Mrs. Girdler. I'll go. There's not long now. Not long before I'm dead. It's dangerous for her. Look after her. It's Miss Bunner's birthday today, Mitzi, and we're going to have a little tea party for her. Some of the neighbours will be coming, and I'd like you to make that wonderful cake you do so well. <laughs> At her age, one does not have birthdays. It is better to forget. Well, Dora doesn't want to forget. <sighs> it is the cake with the chocolate icing you want me to make? Yes, Mitzi, the rich one. I can't remember what it's called. The one Mr. Patrick says is delicious death. Yes, that's the one. Delicious death. I will not have my cake called that. It was a compliment, really, Mitzi. He meant that it was worth dying to eat such a cake. But I do not like that word, death. And remember what happened when we last had people in the house? Well, I assure you it won't happen this time, Mitzi. And now I really must get on. Oh, Letty, there you are. 
I was going to have a word with Mitzi about the sandwiches. Oh, no, Dora, come away. I really don't want her disturbed. But I could just show her how to cut them properly. Oh, no, please don't show her anything, Dora. Well, if you say so, Letty, I'm going to enjoy my birthday. <laughs> Colonel Easterbrook rang up just now to wish me many happy returns of the day and said he was bringing me a pot of honey and a surprise present. Ooh. I can't think how he knew about it. <laughs> Everybody seems to know. You've been talking about it, Dora. Well, I did just happen to mention that today I should be 59. You, 64. <laughs> <laughs> and Miss Hinchliffe says, you don't look it. What age do you think I am? Which was rather awkward because Miss Hinchliffe might be almost any age. <laughs> she said she was going to bring me some eggs. Wow, I'm doing quite well out of your birthday, Dora. There's honey and eggs and that magnificent box of chocolates from Julia. Mm, and that lovely brooch you gave me. Ah, oh, do you like it? I'm so glad. I never care for jewellery. I love it. You're so good to me, Letty. Nearly all the neighbours came to Little Paddock's that afternoon to wish Dora Bunner a happy birthday and have a slice of Mitzi's delicious death. Colonel Easterbrook gave her a bag of sweets with a note saying, Sweets to the Sweet. And Miss Murgatroyd brought a handful of late roses. Unfortunately, Bunch had the Dorcas group that afternoon so that I had no good reason to attend the party. I'm glad that Miss Marple didn't come. That woman is the nasty prying kind, the sort that nothing is safe from. Well, now that all the guests have gone, why don't we have a drop of sherry? Will you have a glass, Philippa? I'd love one, Patrick. Mm, me too. Did you enjoy your birthday, Dora? Oh, I did. But I've got a terrible headache. It's the excitement, I think. Yes, the cake. I feel a bit liverish myself. Here you are, Philippa. Thanks. I feel a bit queasy, too. Of course, you were nibbling chocolates all morning, Dora. Well, the truth is, we're not used to all these rich things. I'll go and lie down, I think. That'll probably be best. The trouble is, I can't find my aspirins anywhere. I think you'd be better off with a glass of sherry. As my old nurse used to say, it will settle your stomach. No, I think aspirin would be better. Well, take some of mine. They're on the table by my bed. Well, there are some on my dressing table. But I had a new bottle. What can have become of it? Well, there are heaps in the bathroom. The whole house is simply bursting with aspirins. It vexes me not to be able to find mine. But, um, thank you all the same. Poor old Dora. Do you think we should have given her some sherry? Better not, I think. She's had a lot of excitement today, and it really isn't good for her. Still, I really do think she enjoyed it. <laughs> she loved it. Shall I clear the things away now? You just sit down and take it easy, Metsy. I'm going to get you a glass of sherry for the best cook in the world. I am not really a cook. In my country, I do intellectual things. Then you're wasted. What are the achievements of the intellect compared to delicious mm. death? I do not like you to call it that. Here's your sherry. That's my name for it, and here's to it. Let's all drink to delicious death and to hell with the after effects. Delicious, Delicious death. death. <laughs> Philippa, my dear, I want to talk to you. There's, there's nothing wrong, is there? Oh, no, Letty. Why should there be? You're not worrying about money or something like that? I I'm quite all right. 
Well, I know you get anxious sometimes about Harry's education. That's why I want to tell you something. I drove into Milchester this morning to see Mr. Beddington. I thought that, in view of certain circumstances, it was time to make a new will. Apart from Dora's legacy, I'm leaving everything to you. But I, I don't want it. I really don't in any way. Why to me? Because there's no one else. But there's Patrick and Julia. Yes, there's Patrick and Julia. Well, they are your relations after all. Very distant ones. They have no claim on me. But I've no claims at all. I really don't want it. I know what I'm doing, Philippa. I've become fond of you. And there's the boy. You won't get very much if I should die now. But in a few weeks' time, it might be different. But you're not going to die. Well, not if I can avoid it by taking certain precautions. Precautions? Yes. Think it over. And stop worrying yourself, Philippa. Oh, Julia, I didn't know you were still up. Is the side door locked? Oh, yes. Every door is barred and bolted and locked. Good night, Aunt Letty. Good night, Julia. Well, well, Philippa. You've played your cards very cleverly, haven't you? I see you're one of the quiet ones. You mean you heard? <laughs> I rather think I was meant to hear. What do you mean? Oh, Letty's no fool. You're sitting pretty, aren't you? I had no idea. I never meant to. Didn't you? <laughs> of course you did. But just remember this. If anyone bumps off Aunt Letty, you'll be suspect number one. And why should I do that? I'd be an idiot if I killed her now. So, you know all about Mrs. What's-her-name, dying up in Scotland? No, it was just that Letty was Philippa, telling... I'm beginning to think you're a very dark horse indeed. I don't want to do you and Patrick out of anything. Don't you, dear? I'm sorry, but I don't believe you. So it's beginning to look as if we should be concentrating on Pip and Emma. If only we could establish that Miss Blacklock hadn't seen Patrick and Julia since they were children. Oh, but I've done that, Dermot. Hmm? I had a little talk with Letty Blacklock, and... And you just happened to get that out of her, hmm? Well... <laughs> the only problem is that they appear to be who they say they are. Sir Henry got in touch with our consul in Monte Carlo, who rang their mother, Mrs Simmons, in Cannes. She says that her children are very definitely staying with Miss Blacklock at Little Paddocks. And Mrs Simmons really is Mrs Simmons? I fear so. Sir Henry made a particular point of confirming that. So, what have you been doing while I've been away, hmm? Nothing too risky, I hope. I had sherry with Miss Hinchliffe and Miss Mercatroyd at Boulders. Mm -hmm. I've had tea with Colonel Easterbrook and his wife and admired their Indian curios. And are they who they say they are? I'm not entirely certain about Colonel Easterbrook. You see, I just happened to mention a cousin of mine who'd been at a oh, hill station. Excuse stage. me, Inspector. Yes? There's a call for you from the Milchester Police. Oh, um, where's the phone, Mrs Harmon? It's out in the hall, Inspector. Thank you. Did they say what it was about? Oh, yes, they did. It's Dora Bunner. They found her dead in her bed this morning, and the doctor isn't satisfied that it was natural. Narcotic poisoning. That's his guess. In part three of Agatha Christie's A Murder is Announced, 
Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield. Detective Inspector Craddock, Ian Lavender. Letty Blacklock, Sarah Lawson. Dora Bunner, Judy Cornwell. Bunch Harmon, Molly Gaysford. Patrick Simmons, Jamie Glover. Julia Simmons, Angela Sims. Philippa Hames, Sarah Rice. Mrs. Girdler, Tessa Worsley. Mitzi, Jenny Funnel. A Murder is Announced is dramatised for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.